0: CFL fans, are you ready because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell.
1: Greetings, salutations, one and all.
0: We can't start the show with any other start, Mike. We're 38 episodes of the Canadian Football Countdown in with the same intro every time. So we are live on Mike FM Winnipeg, uh, recording the latest episode here of the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, it will be out on SoundCloud and iTunes later this week. Uh, but, Mike, we're here. We're talking CFL. We're getting ready for the regular season to start. And can you believe it, Mike? We're getting ready here for our fifth season of CFL podcasting together to begin.
1: Yeah, and for those that are not familiar, we were originally under another name, uh, the Three Down Football Show, which my station, unfortunately, had the intro queued up. And then I realized, oh, it's the old intro and the new intro, but nonetheless, it's been quite a ride. And will continue to be quite a ride to talk about football. And I believe most shows from this point forward, give or take maybe one or two more, but the rest of them will be live on this station. Details will be coming up shortly.
0: Of course, if you're used to listening through our SoundCloud and iTunes pages, they will continue to be there as well. Just instead of me and Mike recording from our separate homes, we now get back in the studio and get to see each each other's faces.
1: Some news coming out later in the season, which we'll talk about uh, later on. Um, But nonetheless, Ryan, real quick, there was a football game to talk about, and it happened on Sunday between the Riders and the Eskimos. And as a Bomber fan, I'm very happy with the result. Sad that it's preseason. But the Eskimos and the Rough Riders did play on Sunday afternoon. And it's nice to have CFL football in May. You used to have to wait till well beyond this time. Think about another week from today under the old format for the first CFL preseason game but just your thoughts on football
0: being back it's so exciting to finally have football back we are 2 days away right now because this is Wednesday May 30th uh we are 2 days away from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers kicking off their preseason
1: 2 days and half an hour to be exact
0: perfect looking and I will be in the stadium for that one so very much looking forward to my first Live football action of the 2018 season coming up on Friday. One suggestion. Bring a dinghy. A dinghy. Because it
1: is apparently supposed to rain in Thunder Shower. Football weather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure how the last time it worked when it started raining and there was a delay and the bombers came out of the delay and had a big first quarter, but it's preseason and football is meant to be played in rain and some big news before we get started. And that is, but the Estimals will be leaving most of their frontline starters at home.
0: Yeah. And that largely comes due to the fact that they got a chance to play in that game against Saskatchewan on Sunday. And, you know, the preseason's about giving guys, you know, who normally don't get a chance to play a chance to show what they can do. So, I don't have a problem with that from the Eskimos standpoint. Uh, Perhaps maybe I'm a little surprised that they didn't, uh, you know, get their starters ready for game time against the Bombers, given that their week one matchup of the CFL season is against the Bombers. But then again, I think there is also something to be said. Uh, You can generally find patterns in the preseason. You get one home game, one away game in the preseason. How are you going to attract fans in for your preseason game? Because those don't you, you play know. you play your starters right, uh, and you're going to play them at home. You're not going to play them on the road here.
1: And while you're at the game on Friday, I'm going to be sitting right across from us over there and watching Johnny football.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if we've really gotten into Johnny Manziel signing with the Cats yet. Yet I know we talked about it a little bit on the last episode of the podcast in which we were talking about the CFL media poll results. Yes. But, uh, your thoughts on Johnny Manziel in the CFL, Mike?
1: Oh, I didn't think it would happen to be honest with you. Um, all the talk and, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, Johnny Manziel not being on the Hamilton Hamill, but he'd have to make the decision sooner than he did. And he had other options to, uh, Vince McMahon is started his own football league, I think it's 2019 or 2020.
0: Well, no, he's not allowed in that league because he does have a a record in his past. Right, right.
1: So there was talk about, you know, does he wait for another year and a half for that NFL opportunity? And I think Johnny Manziel saw it, but, you know, he wasn't in it at the NFL opportunity, and rightfully so, given his background. I think there's teams that are intrigued by Johnny Mandel, but I don't think they were ready to offer him training camp spot uh, right off, given his actions. And it's been well documented by me, rightfully so. Um, I think that I has to earn his right and earn his opportunity back to the real professional lead, which is the NFL. Uh, opportunities are not Opportunities are not handed on a silver platter. When you have the background, which Johnny Manziel does, opportunities aren't that like you don't go straight to the top. You know, there's a bit of a, a reward period for you know showing some showing some good uh, faith and good standing and and regaining trust and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I and Johnny Manziel saw this the day before training camp and said you know what this is the best offer i'm gonna get i want to play football and that was another question right it's how bad does johnny football want to play football and it's pretty bad for a guy that wants to come the day before camp literally unannounced and say i'm signing with a Hamilton tiger cats granted and i remember we talked about this on on the podcast and that was what do we do or what does um
0: what happens when Mazzoli um, struggles, right? Because Jeremiah Mazzoli the start, is going to be right. the starting quarterback for the Ticats this year. It's his first full year as a starter because, as you remember, he took over for Zach Caleros halfway through the year last year after a disastrous start to the season. And he ran with it, and he will be the starter coming into this year. But it is definitely something that I have questioned now, with Manziel being brought in for the Ticats, and this is exactly what we talked about last week, was, is the fact that there's going to be so much pressure because the Ticats are under so much media attention right now with the whole Johnny football situation. Do you want to know his stats in practice this past week, Mike? Because well, you could watch TSN and find out. TSN has been tracking Johnny Manziel's practice stats. Nice. We're talking about practice, Mike. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice.
1: Yeah, it's again. To be fair, one has the CFL at least in our lifetime had a star like Johnny Manziel. I, I well, one would argue that Dud Flutie, Warren Moon were maybe the last batch of NFL stardom to hit the cfl but again there's a different circumstances obviously you know what the background and previous troubles of johnny manziel um, see i
0: struggle a little with that comment about when's the last time the cfl's had a star like johnny manziel because well, well, I, I see it as this uh he may be a star in the terms of he's i mean famous right he's famous right. nfl struggled cast off whatever you want to call it from the nfl in terms of never being a star like Johnny well, Manziel before, look no further than all many players, current and past in the CFL, that are CFL stars in their own I,
1: right. I I guess my I guess maybe my line of questioning was a little bit wrong in saying, when was the last time a guy came up to this much fanfare as Johnny Manziel?
0: Yeah, there's there's no doubt there's been a lot of fanfare with him coming to the CFL. Um. My thoughts on the whole situation, I don't condone the actions of his past, but that being said, if you look at strictly in terms of football player Johnny Manziel and the opportunities to play football, I applaud him for taking that step to come to the CFL, even though it may have taken, you know, all of this back and forth and all the drama along the way with it. You look at guys who have been cast off from the NFL in the past, and I think one of the most notable names in recent years of this is uh, Tim Tebow. These are guys that, you know, struggle, never could find a way back into the NFL. Tim Tebow never did get back into the NFL. He also had the option to come to the CFL. There were rumors of him going to the Montreal Alouettes, I remember, for a couple of years there. And he he could have probably come to the CFL, and maybe he could have succeeded there. He didn't take the opportunity. Um, I applaud Johnny Manziel for, even if he, you know, he plays his two years here in the CFL, because uh, he is under contract for two years with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Even if he plays his two years here, bolts back to the NFL. I applaud the football player in him for you know doing doing what he can to try to get back to that elite league he was playing in. Because you're never gonna benefit from just sitting on the sideline doing nothing. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like for me, there's other
1: media pundits which suggest that. Johnny Mansell didn't come in and he didn't light it up and he did be a star. I heard that from somebody in Winnipeg. I don't think so. I I, I think you know, the quarterback for me that came came in and had the most success having not played in the CFL before. One guy comes to mind and that's Ridley Ray. Two thousand two, two thousand three. Led the most to Bat to Bat Great Cups uh Bat to Bat Great Cup finals appearances against the Montreal Alouettes. I, I do think it to be a straddle for Johnny Manziel, and I just hope that this preseason game isn't hyped up and then Manziel is the disappointment on field. I, I hope I hope people temper their expectations because another thing you have to deal with, right? You, you have a sold-out Tim Hortons field. Quite frankly, they're not there to see Jeremiah Mazzoli. Maybe a few of them are. I think some
0: are. But I would be. Let's be real. The most of the fan.
1: most of the fans came to see Johnny football, and I, I just want to see that dynamic.
0: Yeah, and and in terms of this, you know, uh, just to close out that conversation, I won't, I won't make my, I don't have my expectations for him set yet for his time in the CFL until I see him out on that field, because the NFL game, and the CFL game are vastly different. And uh, I, I treat I, I treat Johnny football honestly coming into the CFL like a rookie quarterback because I feel like the game is different. We've seen you know some American rookies come to uh, come to the CFL and shine right away, and we've seen some come and struggle. And I think you know there's the potential of each side of this. And uh, I'll wait to get for my expectations for him till I see him out on the football field. How much we see him out on the field this year that still remains to be seen, but Nonetheless, the Ticats have uh, brought in Johnny Manziel, and he will uh, he will be making his CFL debut this Friday night in Hamilton. Uh, talking about CFL quarterbacks coming from uh, down south from the NFL, Mike, uh, another one that came this offseason to much fanfare was uh, the Montreal Alouettes signing quarterback Josh Freeman, who had been out of the NFL for a couple of years. Came into training camp. A lot of us were expecting him to be the team's starter coming into this season. Training camp doesn't go well at all for him, with uh, talk of him being number five on the depth chart throughout training camp. And uh, just this past week, Mike, uh, Josh Freeman announcing his retirement from pro football. Could be from Ron, but wasn't he the Alouettes representative at CFL Week? He was. He was. Yeah, he was here in Winnipeg. And
1: didn't my chairman say they expect him to be the starter or something along those lines?
0: Probably. I think that was the assumption when he was brought in.
1: <sighs> Wake me up on these NFL cast-off opportunity that's work. It's two years in a row where one doesn't exactly pan out, and two years in a row where one doesn't even make it to the first game.
0: Which is exactly why I have not set my expectations for Johnny Manziel yet, as I just talked about. Uh, in terms of Josh Freeman, though, um, or in terms of the Montreal Alouettes, where do they go from here now? Because the guy they brought in to be their starting quarterback this year in the offseason is now gone. And uh, now it looks like you're sticking with the tandem of Drew Willie and Matt Schilt that ended off the season last year for them.
1: And this is where I have a problem. Because I felt like Montreal could have and should have gotten some help at the most important position on the football field. I think there's a real big problem when you go three and fifteen and Josh Freeman is touted as your biggest off season acquisition. Who doesn't even make it to the first preseason game? Horrible miscalculation over there.
0: I'll I'll say this about the Owls, and I've taken some heat for the, for this comment, you know, over the last couple of days, uh yeah, You know, I put this out on our show's Twitter account. There were a couple of responses telling me I was a little crazy for saying so. Overall, and this was before this news of Josh, Free, this week of, you know, Freeman's struggles in uh, training camp and his subsequent retirement. I thought Cavis Street had an overall really good offseason for the Montreal outlets. He revamped that defense. He put a coaching staff in place uh for his team I really like the defensive staff he brought in I'm really high on having Rich Stubler as the defensive coordinator there in Montreal uh the guys they brought in, brought in on defense they reinvented their defensive backfield brought in Henok Muwamba middle linebacker uh Jamal Westerman is a huge addition along the defensive line that's going to be a, I, I think it's going to be a good defense for the Alouettes this year the question has and still continues to be can it be a good defense if it's on the field the entire game long? And I think that's the thing we've seen with the Alouettes organization over the last several years is that great defenses, but not much they can do if the offense doesn't provide them any help. I thought they did a good job of bringing in a guy like Chris Williams in the off season to help the offense. Uh, and if Josh Freeman would have panned out, you know, maybe we're looking at a different story, but uh, you know, I, I tend to now agree, kind of, with the people that, you know, were kind of downing my theory of Kavis Reed having a good off season in the sense that uh, I think it was Dave Campbell, a uh, voice of the Eskimos for Six Thirty Ched, that actually pointed it out. Is that this is the exact same situation we were in last year? We said this last year as well. The Owlets made some off season additions prior to this past season that we all thought was going to turn the team around. They brought in Ernest Jackson. They brought in Darian Durant. We thought that was going to lead to a, a strong offense for the Alouettes. But let's be real. Can we see them going 3-15? No, and th- and that's my big thing here is I-, I think they had a good off season given how bad they were last year, right, in the sense that there were so many holes on this team. And you were talking about bringing a dinghy to the game Friday night, Mike. Well, the Alouettes dinghy might have a couple less holes in it, but they're still definitely bailing out water.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just a thought
0: on what do you do to pitch the Montreal Alouettes? I, I, I think a lot of the things they've done so far have been good things. It just, the quarterback situation is still and forever will be the big question mark because. You know How many quarterbacks has this team had over the last number of years? How many coaches has this team had over the last number of years? I mean, it's a revolving door. How many, it's Ever since Anthony Calvillo retired from the Alouettes, they have not had a steady, strong performance at the quarterback position from any one guy. Uh, probably the best performance that stuck out to me would have been Jonathan Crompton had a couple of good years for them, but... Uh, those were no by no means elite years. Um, it really starts at the quarterback position. And uh, I, I'm really wondering now what's going to happen coming into this season. You've got Drew Willie, You've got Matt Schiltz. Drew Willie, we all know we've se- he's been in the league for a number of years, had a lot of potential uh, after a couple starts with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders signs with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Spends a couple of years uh, with the Bombers where, you know, it looked like he had strong potential to become a good quarterback in the CFL uh, early on in his days with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Eventually started struggling there after, you know, taking a couple injuries that really set him back. Uh, he goes over to Toronto and then to Montreal. And the question becomes, can Mr. Drew Willie, you know, can he finally get back to the level of play that he used to be at uh, early on for the Montreal Alouettes? And even early on in his Bomber uh, time with the Bombers, yeah, yeah, that's what I would—that's what I meant by early on his time um, with the
1: Bombers. He's a good quarterback, but I think for him it was mental. You know, he wasn't behind the greatest offensive line in Winnipeg, I think we could say, and I think it hits a mental toll on somebody when they get hit. When you have doubts about being hit or you go through the same thing or you've been through some kind of injury in your past, um you know, it's a very mentally taxing thing to always you know, every time you go back to make the throw, if you're worried about having two seconds to throw and then you get hit. Right? It's a mental thing and I, I think if Willie can overcome that and start to trust himself again. I don't think what happened in Saskatchewan and what happened early in his Winnipeg uh time with the Bombers
0: was a fluke. Yeah, that that's my main question is you've arguably improved the offensive line this off season. You brought I in,
1: think we should see an yeah, improved Drew
0: Willie. You, you you brought in another receiver in Chris Williams for him. You've got a strong defense there in Montreal. Will the increased talent around him lead him to have an improved season perhaps i i I still have my doubts though when it comes to certainly
1: better than three and and one would hope yeah yeah
0: i I would assume they're going to be better than 3 and 15 this year my major question here is though and and this has been the knock against him uh throughout his struggles is known as a guy who holds on to the ball for way too long and uh, throws passes, you know, those seven yard passes straight into the ground. Have been two of the knocks on him, where, you know, maybe as a guy open downfield, but you know he he throws it short type of thing. the The question becomes if his offensive line can give him extra time, then I want to see, I need to see that progression from him in order to have, you know, as I recall, Willie had a shoulder injury, right? I I am not entirely sure. I know there was a leg injury along the way, a
1: leg injury, but I believe there may have been a shoulder injury in there somewhere. Um, that to me would explain the seven-yard passes to an extent if your shoulder not at full strength. For sure, but, yeah. But you know, it hits a while to get back 100. percent. But that being said, Montreal goes nowhere without consistent play on the offensive line, receivers, and the defense just. The offense needs to find a way to get first outs. Montreal will be fine early, early in the season. They can weather that storm to an extent, right? It's later in the season when your defense is on the field for 35 to 40 minutes a game. We've seen it with the Bombers, right? Their defense holds them in, holds them in games. There comes a threshold where if you're on the field for too long, you just... It's natural. You just... You don't have it anymore, and you just—I hope that we see improved Montreal. I'm just not sure how much improved there will be.
0: I'll ask you this, because the training camp quarterback debate for the Owlets is basically down to— And then I
1: have another thought on Tavis Reed.
0: Okay, the the training camp quarterback you know battle is essentially down at this point to Drew Willie and Matt Schiltz. Uh, there have been a couple rookies, I think, in there who have had some decent performances and maybe we'll see them more in the preseason games this week. Do you, given his past, given his struggles, given his injury history, roll with Drew Willey as your starting quarterback this year? Or do you take this opportunity to take a look at Matt Schiltz? Because they put him in, uh, you know, arguably in a couple games near the end of the year where he got some backup time. He got, I think he got a start in there for the Alouettes. He perhaps looked like the best quarterback they had on the roster. Who do you, Michael Garrell, go with if you were GM Kavis Reed uh, or head coach Mike Sherman as your starting quarterback for this year?
1: I think given the fact that you improved the team in more than one area in the off season and you, you in him some tools, I, I think you go with the guy that gives you, your team the best chance to win. And I'm not going to say that Julie. I'm not going to say that's Matt Schilt. that Matt That is it a determination that the coaching staff has to make. But if you ask me, I like Drew Willie's track record when he's good a lot more than I like that of Matt Shelton. That's just the way it is. And Drew Willie has been in the CFL with Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Toronto, and now Montreal. Give him a chance. If it doesn't work out, you can always go to. Matt shots, but to me, the benefit of a doubt always goes to the veteran quarterback.
0: A couple more things I want to talk about here before I bring up Tavis Reed. Or, no, go ahead and bring that up because okay. I've got unrelated um, thoughts.
1: No, not against Tavis Reed. He's a great guy, been a great defensive coordinator, great head coach at times. Even better defensive coordinator, if you ask me. But I'm not in charge of that organization. If you know that you do not have a quarterback is it not incumbent on you to bring in as many quarterbacks as possible and declare it an open competition for QB1 QB2 and QB3 on your depth chart it speaks loud noise when Josh Freeman is your biggest offseason acquisition at the quarterback position for a team that hasn't had a bona fide number one since the days of Anthony Talvio, which, as I recall, was about five years ago, four years ago now,
0: longer than that, was it not?
1: Okay, but the Alawats are something like fifteen, fifteen and thirty-sixths, or fifteen and forty, in their last since Anthony Calvillo left, is it not? I, I just, I don't understand. How it doesn't register, but you cannot, but you don't go into the into camp with an open competition. To me, they came back with a lot of status quo at quarterback. When you know that you had issues at quarterback, don't you think that it's time to bring it upon yourself to bring in seven, eight, nine, ten quarterbacks if needed? And say, we need to find a quarterback. And if at the end of the day, the two that you were with last year are the better quarterbacks, then so be it. But I I just think the fact that there was not an open competition and lots and lots and lots and lots of quarterbacks in Alouette Camp. And I don't know if they had private workouts for quarterbacks. But, and this is what bothers me. There's more quarterbacks. Then Matt Schultz and Drew Willie. Open it up. You, you gotta find somebody, right? It's it's one thing it's one thing if you hosted an audition with twenty or thirty quarterbacks and those two were your best guys. Right. But I think more needed to be done to exhaust proper avenues at the quarterback position. And I, I think that is where Tavis Reed's inexperience hurts him a little bit.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, we criticized the quarterback situation in Montreal. I think, honestly, a lot of this is that uh, there were not too many quarterbacks available this offseason in terms of uh, either proven quarterbacks or strong prospects in the CFL. And for all of them, if you're looking for the potential to become a lasting starting quarterback in the CFL, you're not going to pick Montreal as the place to go. That, given their track record of how many quarterbacks over the last number of years, and the state the franchise was in coming into this, this offseason. This
1: reminds me like the Bombers before the Walters-Miller-O'Shea era.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Moving on, Mike, because we've got other stuff we want to talk about yep. here yet. I want to talk about some of the preseason games, uh, the one that happened this past Sunday and the ones coming up this week yet, but a couple more things I want to touch on before then. Uh, quickly, John White, re- running back John White, released by the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, I believe the week, be- not this past week, but the week before. What do you make of that?
1: Well, I, I think in you know, I don't know if you saw the preseason game uh, Regina and or Saskatchewan and Edmonton. Uh, they had a pretty darn good guy behind C.J. J. Boys. His, his name escapes me right now. Uh, I'll look it up later. But there was a guy. Uh, Shoot, his name escapes me. Uh he was getting seven or eight yards to carry consistently. Um, you, you know, it's it's one of those things, and and you've heard me say this countless times. Was it times. was it Cooper? Cooper, that yeah, it. there you go. Yeah. Um, he looked very very good. Um, he looked very very good in that game. So I didn't. You know, it's almost like what the stats one did right? I mean, everybody was so high on you know, Marquise Williams in Saskatchewan, and, you know, Chris Jones came out and said, you know, we released him. It wasn't necessarily what Marquise did. I mean, we developed him all of last year, but rather than the guys that we brought in played better than that of, you know, the guy that we let go. And and I think that was the same kind of thing, right? With, and this is no disrespect to John White, but I think it's the value of the unknown when it comes to the injuries and quite frankly if John White had stayed healthy and had a decent season in the last couple of years I doubt that move gets made but I think you've left Edmonton with little to no choice given injury history among other circumstances um, to look for other opportunities and add other options of running back and I, I think quite frankly they liked what they saw in in uh, the in a guy uh, in Cooper, but they were comfortable moving on from John White. And let's be frank, if a different running back than C J Dable is playing in Edmonton this year, that's not good news for C J Gable.
0: Yeah, and I, I didn't get a chance to catch that preseason game, but in the time he played, it looked like Gable had a pretty good game himself, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty
1: good game. Um, one thing we did see, um. The game for me, if Edmonton would have left their front line starters in, would have been in the high 70s to, to, to 10, quite frankly. I mean, the Eskimos left points on the field so early in the game that it really could have been over at halftime. Uh, they had one drive when it was 14-3, to 3, I think, at the time. Uh, Jason Moss elected to go for it on third down inside the 7-yard line, third and short, and they didn't get it. In the regular season, you take the field, well, you probably play that different inside the 10-yard line, and, you know, you're off and running. On the other side, we did not see Pilaros or Bridge. We saw David Radford, who, to me, as bad as his stats looked, he was behind an offensive line, but... You know, let's be frank, most guys probably won't be there after the next preseason game, which is in 11 days from now or 10 days from now. So I think you have to look at a situation where you have to make the most of your reps in a game. If it's one rep, you've got to make yourself jump off the page in that rep to get an opportunity. And to me, Radford did more good things than than bad things uh there was a dive that they brought in uh bj daniels tell you what
0: this guy, is second this is second stint with the team correct i believe he's been with the team once before
1: once before but has some nfl experience um he for me based on one game right now is the third string quarterback um f- for sure uh with uh this is catch one of by fighters uh Again, you know, you have to make it right, like I mean, B J came in, he had third string offensive line, he had third string receivers, he had everything was bottom of the depth chart and he made things happen. And he deserved himself another look. And I wanna see and I wish teams would do this. When when evaluating at quarterback, I wish they would leave their front line offensive line guys in the lineup a little bit longer to give everybody a fair shake, right? If, if you're playing behind a young offensive line, chances are that quarterback isn't an absolute success, and it's not necessarily an indictment on said quarterback, right? Right. You know, you have to kind of look at the circumstances, right? Well, he's the third string, but yes, he's then with the third string uh, offensive line, third string receiver, third string running back. Not making excuses, but I'll tell you what, the players probably perform better if the front line offensive line dies and the front line guys are in that's just the nature of the beast
0: now in terms of uh some other news i wanted to talk about here mike the uh the hamilton tiger cats mark chapman the first overall pick by the hamilton tiger cats this year uh has not signed a contract with the team so far mike every other first round pick uh, or I believe every other draft pick, perhaps, in the in the CFL draft this year has either been sent back to college. Outside of the ones that go back to college. Yeah, either been sent back to college or has signed with their team. Except first overall pick, wide receiver Mark Chapman, who the Hamilton Tiger Cats, as we've previously discussed, traded up an awful lot to pick. Looking back on that trade now, are you more concerned? No. Why?
1: I think, I don't think it's the player as much as it is the agent. Okay. Remember we had a first one pick a couple of years ago in Saskatchewan, same thing?
0: Yeah, Josiah St. John, offensive lineman. Mm-hmm.
1: There's something about these first overall picks, and Bay Ficacetti is the rare exception in the last couple of years. There seems to be something about agents that have these first overall picks that seemingly think they can come in and break the team's bank. And if I am Chapman, I take the best off of us on the table, and I would dare say that Josiah St. John missing most of his first training camp is what's set him back right now.
0: Will we see Chapman on the – when, if at all, will we see Chapman on the field this year for the Ticats? Because I mm-hmm. think he's got the talent. If he shows up to training camp, he'll make, he can make the he, team. Here's the thing. If you make the trade
1: and give up as much – as you did for that first overall pick, weren't you pretty darn sure made sure that your financial terms are scored away with that player? And that there's a remote chance you have to sign that guy?
0: You would presume.
1: It, it, something seems amiss here. And, and I think Chapman signs right at the end of camp.
0: And we're getting close to that, right? We're a couple weeks away now from the CFL away, season but, starting, but, uh, but there's still plenty of time
1: for that. Uh, again, it's unfortunately Chapman's in a position where he's only hurting his own development by not playing in his training camp and stuff like that. So if you think you're as smart a football player as you appear to sound like you are and you can jump right into game number one, good luck with that. Because June Jones is not going to put you in the starting lineup in game number one when that contract is signed. I, I bet my bottom dollar on that one.
0: Now, obviously, the biggest news over the last number of weeks out of here in Winnipeg when it comes to the Bombers, uh, which we briefly discussed on the last episode of the podcast as well, was the signing of uh, middle linebacker Adam Big Hill. How did that all end up happening, Mike? Because the biggest toll for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that we have discussed for the last number of years... Or, or sorry, for the last number of months as the offseason's well, been going seemingly on. Well,
1: we've had a good middle linebacker since Baron Simpson.
0: Well, he knocked Moamba when he was oh, here. Oh, he knocked, okay. But. But yeah. Ian Wilde had a year or two at middle linebacker where he really strong years. But he, he, that's, it's been a whole we've talked about this offseason. There were so many guys available at the middle linebacker position that we thought, okay, the Bombers got to go out and bring this guy in. No, he goes somewhere else. It looks seemingly like they're going to roll with Javon Santos-Knox coming at that position coming into the season, which, you know, I was not high on, but I certainly didn't mind because I liked what I saw from him last season. Now all of a sudden they go and find arguably one of the best middle linebackers in the CFL in the last 10 years, and he's in training camp now and getting ready to play his first preseason game Friday night. How'd the Bombers swing that one, Mike? How'd the Bombers swing that one? It helps when you have
1: six or seven former BC Lions on your team. Uh, no, I think, um, I think if to get a bait fish, you would got to earn the respect of the bait fish, and I think as much as former BC Lions helped on that team, uh, Mike Shea had something to do with that. and I think the team's track record speaks for itself and why wouldn't you want to play for a team that has as much success as the bombers have had in the last number of years i
0: i i think it's safe to say if this season goes well for the winnipeg blue bombers once his career ends andrew harris has a job as a scout in the winnipeg blue bombers front office because you can't tell me andrew harris wasn't hyping up every one of these guys who do we all have that came craig rowe chandler fenner Anthony Gator, Stephen Clark, uh, Adam Big Hill. I'm probably missing a couple more guys from former BC Lions that Andrew Harris either played with or knew. And
1: I don't think we've actually talked about this. Andrew Harris gets a new two-year extension on the first day at camp.
0: Yes, no, we have not talked about that. And
1: anymore. a Boyd's free agency next year was the third year of his deal is now. So the deal kicks in for 2019 and 2020. I can't remember the last time we had a guy sign like that
0: before his last. That's season. huge. That's huge. Uh, Andrew Harris not only is one of, if not the most talented running back in the CFL, he is also the heart and soul of the entire Bombers team. You know, you know, you can see how badly he wants to win for this city. Uh, he he's grown up in this city. He now plays for the local sports team. Here's the question for you.
1: What do you make of Drew Walotarski working with the number ones in Canada?
0: Well, you had Matt Coates, was presumably, along with Nick Dembski, those two are going to form the Canadian wide receiver position for the Bombers coming into this year. Matt Coates gets injured, I believe, either during off-season practice or during training camp. Off-season. Broke his foot, I think it was, correct. Uh, and gets subsequently released by the Bombers organization because well he was going to be out for quite some time and now all of a sudden this camp competition opens up and I think this has been the most intriguing spot on the field to watch in, in camp competition for Winnipeg is this second Canadian wide receiver because they're going to start two of them right mm-hmm. it's going to be Nick Dembski, and it's going to be one of Wolitarski, uh Daniel Peterman who was the third round pick of well, the Bombers I'll tell you this what. year and just before you add yeah. in your point there, the fr- uh, 12th, simon, 12th overall pick this year. Uh, simon I. Simonese, simon I We still can't pronounce it. Yeah. but uh, I've been the Bombers a Canadian
1: receiver uh, as deep as they've been in
0: years. Who to you out of those three guys that we just mentioned has uh, who do you see end, end up getting that uh, starting slot? I
1: think slot. just because he's a year under his belt. But I can tell you the bombers. Did he were... have a
0: full year though? I thought he was brought in late in the season. Uh, he was
1: brought in late season, he would uh think... supplemental
0: drop. They brought him in. Okay, I think he they yeah, I think he played maybe one or two games for the bombers. Yeah, one or two
1: games late in the year. But he's got the upper hand over Simon I and Peterman. But I'll tell you what, the Bombers would not be hesitant to run with both Peterman or Simon I. If something happens to Walatarsky.
0: yeah, from what I've seen, uh, I've been trying to follow the training camp reports uh from those you know who have been able to attend the practices um it looks like all three of these guys uh I think Walatarski missed a lot of time in camp due to yeah, injury he right back
1: the last couple of days,
0: but the other two guys have had great camps, and that's great by, to see. by
1: all accounts uh Simon and I a little bit ahead of Peterman, but again,
0: let's see when they
1: have footballs coming your way in a game and you up got somebody in an opposite-color jersey coming after you.
0: For sure. Mike, looking, looking into, uh, we've got a bunch of preseason games coming up over the next couple of days. Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, the Alouettes and the Ottawa Red Blacks. The game on TV. Pardon me? TV game. That one's on TV? Yep. Wonderful. We'll be watching that. Uh, and then a triple header, well, kind of a triple header. They're all kind of going on at the same time on Friday night uh the Bombers hosting the Eskimos here in Winnipeg, Hamilton hosting Toronto, uh Johnny Manziel making his CFL debut in that one, and then uh Calgary and BC playing in Calgary. What to you, what are you looking in the next 2 days? We have four games going on here. What are you looking at and focusing the most on?
1: For me, I think um I'm going to go with this three ways. One way is locally. I want to see what this mateship defense does. You know, there's a lot of changes on that bomber defense, and I want to see. I'm not sure. But, Ryan, here's where I have to reserve my judgment because how much of a defensive playbook are we going to see in the preseason, right? Like how much do you wanna show your opposition? Especially on Friday night, granted at the team that you're gonna be playing opening night, so how much defensive schemes do you wanna show? But how much of a how much of a scheme do you need to show to have a successful night on defense? So that's kind of my fine line. Like I wanna see how things fill out defensively for the Blue Bombers. Offensively, I want to see that Canadian spot. um, The Canadian spot with either Walatarski or Dembski or, you know, some combination of the two. And I I just want to see, I know what the front-line starters can do. I want to see just how much better we are depth-wise.
0: Going through quickly each of these games uh, coming up yet, I uh, want to know for the in these games what specifically you're watching. Okay. Uh, starting with the one tomorrow night, the Montreal Alouettes and the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'll, I'll go first here quickly. For the Ottawa Red Blacks, I'm interested to see what Noel Thorpe's defense is going to do. Because last week on the podcast when we were talking about CFL Media Pool, uh, we were a little harsh on the Red Blacks when we were kind of talking about how we see the divisions shaping out. Um and that's because we didn't think they did a lot this offseason, but perhaps they brought Rod in one of the best additions in the offseason, which wasn't even a player on the football field. It was defensive coordinator Noel Thorpe. I'm interested to see how he's going to uh, shape that defense in Ottawa this year.
1: Agreed, but again, it's kind of like what I was saying, right? How much of a defensive steam do you show in the preseason?
0: Is it safe to say in this matchup all the eyes are on the Alouettes? Yeah. I mean, you're 3-15. Show us, give us some
1: reason to believe you'll be better than 3-15, and 15. I think is what most of the CFL media is saying.
0: Is it specifically the quarterback position, or is there anything else on the Owlettes roster you're looking at coming in? As I recall, they had a
1: horrible offensive line last year. I want to see some stability there. Um, I've seen what I've seen from Drew Willy in his time with Winnipeg, with Toronto, and with Montreal. Honestly, Drew while well, he get into some kind of rhythm. And I think Mike Sherman's making a a big mistake by not anointing his number one right now. Um, Maybe he'll do that after the first preseason game. Maybe he already knows. Maybe he's told the quarterbacks. But I would think that you would want your number one guy getting most of the reps um, in
0: the first half of
1: Friday's game and in particular maybe the bat half of your second preseason. I'll game.
0: tell you this. I would love to see at the quarterback position for the Owls a third guy come in and take the starting job from either Willie or Schultz. There's been a guy in camp, Garrett Fugatti. I think that's how you pronounce his name, who I've heard has had a pretty good camp so far. I would love to, I would love to see him all of a sudden come in, take the starting role and run with it. I don't know if that will happen. I doubt that will, because we are so No, close I think they season. want
1: to go with the guys that they have around, but I just want to see something it tells me Montreal won't be 3-15.
0: In terms of the Ottawa Red Blacks, I'm also looking at the wide receiver position, as I've mentioned yeah, previously, there's a lot of questions there. to see uh, who's going to step up and take an open spot or two there. Uh, the Toronto-Hamilton game, I mean, all eyes are on Johnny Football. I think that's the safest thing to say. What else in this game do you focus on, though?
1: James Franklin, I want to see what he looks like under a Mark Chessman offense. Uh, I want to see what the back end of Toronto's defense also looks like. There's a lot of turnover there. A lot of seemingly
0: good turnover there. Yeah, just
1: to see how all those pieces seem to mesh together.
0: Yeah, for me also, I think the wide receiver position for the Argos, because they did lose to Uh, know, was a big player in that offense this past year. Uh, I'm interested to see the wide receiver position. I think there's a couple guys fighting for spots there. Uh, and I'm, I i can't wait to see, you know, who steps up and takes that one there. For the Ticats, other than the quarterback position, all eyes are on Manziel. Who else are you watching?
1: I'm watching, uh, basically, I'm watching Mizzoli. Still, he reacts to the pressure of being the guy, and I want to see if that defense can continue to take the progression that we saw under June Jones in the bad half of last year. Granted I don't know what we can read in in um granted what we can read into for as far as uh preseason games go because certain guys you know only play as long as certain other guys. But I wanna see some positivity. Uh I want Hamilton to where they playing it in? Toronto. Toronto? Yeah. So I wanna see exactly what because these are, for me, the two teams in the East. So this should be, and I say should be, a rather competitive football game right to the end. Because if these are two of the favorites in the East, they should have depth. So honestly, just how balanced this football game is.
0: For me, I'm watching for the Cats running back Alex Green. Because it's his full year as a starter now. CJ Gable's out in Edmonton. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. You know how much time he plays in this preseason game, and you know if he can start the year off uh, as well as he played down the stretch last year. Uh, the uh, another game Friday night, Mike. The BC Lions and the Calgary Stampeders. What's your number one focus? For me, BC Calgary. What's your number one focus?
1: I have a lot of questions about BC. Right, BC is kind of the dark horse in a lot of uh, lot of the media polls. Um. As far as expectations go, but I want to just see you know, a lot of changeover. I just want to see if the pieces fit.
0: Yeah, I think my biggest thing, I two biggest things I'm interested in watching. Offensive line, they've overhauled yeah. that. Defensive back, I think they've overhauled that in more of a negative way in the sense that they lost some of the big pieces there. Offensive line, I think they've improved. I want to see the improvement from there. I want to see what this defensive backfield can do as well, because they lost some of the staples that have been in there for the last number of years.
1: And I don't know if they were counting on Adam Hill being back, but again, right? It's, I I don't think so. It's we know what Solomon can do. Get some help around them.
0: I also want to watch Wally Buono and just see his final. You know, he's he he's starting off a preseason for the final time of his career. I want to see what he's going to do with this team this year, because you know they're going to go hard to try to win for Wally in his final year.
1: And yes, yeah, somebody did tell me that uh, Drew really did sustain shoulder injury okay. back when. All right. Um. So that kind of bats up my point about the arm strength. Uh, uh,
0: about Calgary though in this preseason game, I, um, I want
1: to see the relative unknown about Calgary and. The interesting thing is Calgary is the lone CFL team but does not have a televised preseason
0: day. Really? So
1: I wanna see I won't get to see the I mean, TV. yeah, I guess
0: the thing is what do you what are you expecting to see? The answer is nothing because it's not on TV. If any um, kind person in the stadium wants to periscope the game for everyone to see.
1: Right, but what what I wanna see is how these new pieces fit together. They let a lot of man games goal. Yeah. How they plan to replace that. And they made some decent addition. I also wanna see if uh their third string running back Terry Williams. Terry Williams is ready for prime time and is number one. I'm not sure we'll see that as the preseason goes on. Um I really wonder how much of uh Bom by Bo Mitchell we'll see. I don't know how much I need to see. I need to see who that backup quarterback is going to be in Calgary. Much is the same in Winnipeg, right? We don't know who that backup is going to be if it's Ross or Shively or Calgary Stansy. I don't
0: know. Right. Uh, Winnipeg, Edmonton. We talked a little bit about the Bombers. I think one thing I'm interested in watching is how the defensive line does because you've overhauled the defensive backfield. You've brought in Adam Big Hill. I think some of the struggles the defense had last year was we saw a lot of the Bombers putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, but not getting to the quarterback like they should have, right? There were a lot of times where a quarterback scrambled and got loose. The uh, defensive line can get a little more pressure this year. That goes a long way to helping the defensive backfield as well.
1: Yeah, and I want to see um, how much of the Bombers' struggles in your mind, Ryan, were... uh, as a result of not getting pressure on the quarterback.
0: Well, yeah, that that's what I was just mentioning there, right? Is that uh, they got pressure, but it was not successful pressure a lot of times for the uh, for the Bombers' defensive line there, and it led to a lot of scramble plays and guys getting open downfield, and this led to you know a lot of yards being racked up against the Bombers' defense. My big question, uh, looking at quickly the Eskimos side of things, is they're in the unique position that they're playing their second preseason game already this week, Mike. So given that, what you saw from them on Sunday, what's your expectations for this one?
1: I want to see a game where they leave their front line starters at home.
0: Which is what is presumably happening.
1: Which is what's presumably happening. I want to see who the backup is in certain positions, you know. This is where you go about establishing who's on your special teams, who's gonna back up said receiver, who's gonna go two, three, four, five in the depth chart. You know how you order your depth chart. And for me it's a die but interests me and did I bet going didn't get to start behind center Klein. Really
0: is he good. is he for sure starting? Yes. I know it's either him or Danny O'Brien.
1: Uh the, Sources that Edmonton were going to suggest that they would want with Klein. Okay. I want to see if this guy is ready to carry the mail. He's, he's looked very good in relief appearances. Let's see, in prime time, pouring rain on the road, no Kevin Glenn, no Mike Riley. This is your audition.
0: Quickly, how did the Eskimos defensive line look in that preseason game against oh, Saskatchewan? They
1: were... A force.
0: Because to me, that's arguably been my biggest question for the Eskimos coming into this year. Yeah. Was all of the changeover on the defensive line, and also I think they had quite a bit of changeover on the offensive line. So. Yeah, I,
1: they they did the Riders' fits early on. Um, and how much of that was the Rough Riders flying in the day of the game, which they did. Right. You know how much of that was getting used to that, right? And I, I I've been, I don't know I. I I think for me, it is it a benefit to have early preseason games. That's what you bet, right? Because you know you got a lunch at night, you got a long break between preseason games, you can.
0: Right, so you can go make guys. your cuts, and then you can go, you know, have West guys. You could actually,
1: on. you could actually in Fury, trim your roster down, and bring in. Let's say you cut twelve guys, you can bring in twelve new guys. And basically, give them a training camp up until that such a preseason
0: day. For me, the interesting thing with the Eskimos is, uh, given the number of injuries they had last year, I'm interested to see these, you know, depth guys play. Because if <laughs> heaven forbid the same thing happens again this year, I want to see who's playing. Super quick, Mike, Matt Nichols, how much does he play in this game for the Bombers? Uh
1: quarter and a half.
0: Quarter and a half. All right.
1: I, I would. I would say quarter and a half then I would maybe bring him out for the first drive of the second half because I, I don't think he plays in BC. I think what we see on Friday is what we get before the season starts.
0: That does it. We're running out of time here, Mike. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Uh, as you mentioned before, we'll most likely be doing all of our shows here live on Mike FM Winnipeg, but also coming out on SoundCloud and iTunes later. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM for all of the information on that. Final thoughts to end this off, Mike.
1: Let's get into a full dose of football as we have a lot of football to talk about next week.
0: Great way to end it. Uh, This has been the Canadian Football Countdown. For Michael Garrell. I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Have a good one.